Welcome to podcast number 25, Deafening Doubt of Depression and Anxiety. Now, I've covered this topic, at least in my previous podcast, a little bit. Um, probably not in the depth that I would have liked to. And so I've chosen today to kind of take a look at the difficulty of doubt that is caused by depression and anxiety. Now, I have been asked, what is and what was the most difficult thing for you spiritually with your depressions and the anxiety? I admit that the emotional pain, lack of desire, limited access to the spirit are certainly near the top, but they weren't the most, most difficult issue that I faced during depressions and anxiety, at least spiritually. I would say that most individuals who suffer would likely say the same thing as I. The most difficult thing is the deafening, reoccurring doubt. I know that doesn't seem like a major issue compared to perhaps perhaps the deep emotional pain and darkness, but as a member of the church, the reoccurring doubt that accompanies every depression coupled with the limited access to the Spirit is a compounding problem of enormous ramifications. If I had to tell you what caused me more issues than anything else, it would be to say that every time I experienced a depressive episode, the self-doubt and spiritual doubts would all return with great force. The secondary problem associated with this doubt is the moment that the doubts returned with the depression, you also began to have limited spiritual abilities to fight it. Now, most of us... I'm sorry, now, most of us experience normal question doubts concerning doctrine or perhaps policy issues within the gospel. Questions and the accompanying feeling of perhaps doubt, is, if faced appropriately, can be good opportunities to augment our testimonies of spiritual elements of the gospel. There is nothing inherently wrong with what, what I would term as question doubt in the sense that it spurs appropriate questioning, searching, and then eventually answers. However, doubt turned into action without asking questions and honestly seeking answers can be damaging on a variety of levels, and not just in spiritual matters. It can cause one to take roads and paths that have no real direction or planning and are based solely on emotional preference. Basically, this turns doubt into truth without a method of resolving the doubt. Now, doubt or questioning the unknown in and of itself is really how we learn and is one of the principles of learning the gospel. This question leads to a this questioning leads to a greater understanding and testimony if it's approached in an appropriate and structured manner. It is important that we don't place unnecessary restrictions on the questions we have or the answers. Now I know that that doesn't seem structured to avoid restrictions, but restrictions on the questions and answers are problematic when it comes to honest answers. Often we use our doubt to begin to place serious restrictions on what we will believe and how the answer to our question should come. And for instance, requiring a physical manifestation of a spiritual truth, often known as seeking a sign. We shouldn't place restrictions on the question or the answer. If we truly seek an honest answer from the Lord, he's going to provide it. Sim we simply need to make sure that we are asking the correct question of the Lord. Trying to hide our intent will not produce accurate results. Our desires must be sincere and the question open to the Lord, providing actually for more questions. Now, with further questions, helping us to refine what we are looking to answer. If our question is regarding a doctrinal principle, it is important to fully understand the principle before the question of the questioning of the Lord begins. Or, 
opening with that question. Often during our examination of the principle or learning about the principle, the answers to the question come to us through scriptures, prophetic talks, and even other sources. I've even found that the answers come in more than one way. Structure of the question doubt and the methods we use to obtain answers are as, actually as important as the questioning and the doubt. This type of what you might call a missing knowledge truth question is probably described as doubt more often than not when individuals are searching for spiritual truths. Now, my purpose for describing this type of questioning is to distinguish it from what occurs in depression. And when we talk about doubt and depression, while feelings might be similar in some ways, depression doubt does not necessarily appear due to a question or any other concern. Well, except for maybe the chemistry of the body. The depression type of doubt is much more severe and widespread in its ability to cause one to question the realities and the faith of the gospel. It doesn't simply attack at the fringes where you might have had lingering questions or don't understand some particular doctrine. The depression doubt strikes at the core of the testimony. It is an overwhelming feeling of distrust, disagreement, disconcerting feeling that something is not right. I have often explained it to myself and to others as an argument that, incur, that occurs internally between what you are feeling and what you know. The feeling of dread and doubt overwhelms the spiritual and physical systems. You doubt yourself, your worthiness, your abilities, the truth, what you believe, what you desire, even who you are as a person. This doubt goes deep and you begin to doubt everything about what you know to be true. And that includes yourself. Two of the worst doubts are worthlessness, your ability to live the truth, and what you believe, what you believe to be true. Now, this doubt creates such distress in your thought patterns that you begin to believe that you're being punished for unworthiness, meaning that sometimes, somewhere, you have committed an error grievous enough to fit the punishment you are feeling, and it feels very serious. If you can't find something in your current background that would count as sufficient, then the mind begins to drudge up every error, sin, mistake, weakness, ill-conceived thought that you've ever had, and to tell you that if it isn't at least one of those issues, it might be a combination of them all. Now, when I when this occurred with me, my reaction was to simply dismiss it, as it doesn't didn't make sense initially. But the longer the feeling stays, the more convinced you are of your unworthiness. As anyone can imagine, if you reapplied every mistake you had made in your life to a level of unworthiness, you wouldn't feel much like attending church or any meeting for that matter. It doesn't matter what you are thinking isn't true because you feel the unworthiness at such a level as to make it true. Feelings are reality to almost everyone, and that is especially true to those suffering. Now, to add to this level of unworthiness doubt, and the difficulties associated with it, depression robs you of any desire to go and do. In a church that has a consistent message of go and do more, be more, serve more, this adds to an ever-increasing burden and feeling of failure. Now, when I was undiagnosed, this part of my depression was bewildering and downright defeating to me as I was trying to do my best. My best, in my mind, was simply not, wasn't simply good enough. It was so poor that it qualified as of no value, and even maybe sin. I never felt any of my efforts during depression were of any value or good enough for the Lord. Now, was that true? Of course it wasn't true. 
I was doing just fine, but when your feelings are so pronounced and so poignant and deep, there is no way to convince the soul otherwise. I know many individuals who have simply left the confines of church activity because of this issue. They can't face another lesson or sermon from the pulpit about spiritual experiences, effort that brings joy or repentance. Now, I'm not saying these lessons or sermons are bad in any sense of the word. They are exactly what should be said. It is just that someone who is suffering from depression, and often even anxiety, cannot hear anything but you are unworthy and unable to even do the simplest task without messing it up in some way. So these sermons turn into reinforcing sermons of doubt, failure, and worthlessness. I suppose that it can be easier for individuals who have never experienced depression to understand that if every word uttered in church made you feel even more unworthy, it would be difficult to attend. It feels like, proverbially, throwing gasoline on an already burning fire. The worst thing that comes of it all is that you really do not have the desire, emotional stability, or stamina to do anything about it. Even if you get a little wind behind your sails and you're able to do some service for a time, you can become so exhausted fighting that little voice in your head that you often collapse for days without the ability to do anything. When you do serve, it's never enough, never effective, never worthy of the Lord. When the service is never enough and you feel the same way whether you do it or not, often it is easier not to do it and claim that you're sick or ill. Now, I've done this many times. Sometimes you simply go through the motions because it's easier than to have to explain why you can't do it. But the disconnect between your actions and your feelings is a crevasse that seems to be a deepening and widening every moment. It's an ever-widening gap between what you know you should be feeling and what are you, what you are, that creates the indescribable pain in the soul. Now the questions come like, why can't you feel what you should? Why can't you feel joy? What's wrong with me? These questions, and so many more, then turn to, is the gospel really true? If it is, why do I feel so bad? If I feel doubt and suffering when I do what I should, then why should I do it? If it doesn't help, then it certainly can't be true. Now, the point of these questions eventually lead to the statements of, you must be worthless. You can't do anything right. Why are you trying? And what value is there in life? And again, on it goes. When I was in the deepest portions of my depressions, I couldn't listen to spiritual music, read scriptures, listen to talks, or any spiritual message without feeling just terrible. When things that once made you joyful and happy become that which causes you deep pain, it is truly a terrible day. So the doubt would build and my feelings deepen. I would remove myself from church activities as much as possible, noting that I wasn't feeling well. I would avoid spiritual things at times to avoid the disconnecting doubt and pain. Most of all, I couldn't feel my testimony, that spiritual light that drives us all to do more, to be more, and to serve more. Now, the church and its principles became for a time more pain and joy and more distress than happiness. I wanted to believe somewhere, as I had before, but I simply couldn't access those feelings and memories as I needed them. It felt as though Lucifer had greater access to tell me how worthless I was at a whole new level without really the ability of the Spirit of the Lord to fight back. Doubt often turned to reality for a time while I suffered. Now, I would come out of depressions, but after that I was empty. I would have to start my testimony all over again, 
And it would always start slowly at first because the depressions made it difficult to hear the messages and made it difficult to trust the feelings. So slowly my desire and testimony would return to a more normal state and I would begin to feel again. But it always took time, and as the illness progressed, it would take more and more time for me to recover. Now, for those who experience clinical depression, the cycles, depending on how they exist, may not return the person to a regular, normal state. Maybe less depressed and doubtful, but the feelings will persist at some level of doubt and mistrust of one's feelings. This can be terribly debilitating and disorienting to individuals, especially the young and old who may have never experienced it before, who may not fully understand what is happening. Most individuals will turn away from the gospel in some form or fashion for a time, trying to figure out what has happened to them in their testimony. Why do they doubt when faith seems to come so easy to others and when it used to come so easy to us? Why do we feel pain and distress when they should be feeling joy and happiness? Now, as I have said before in other episodes, Depression comes in many forms and for many reasons. But remember, feelings are similar, and they are also individual. Now, why would I discuss something so private, so difficult? I have multiple purposes. The first of these is to say the obvious and the simple. The doubt and feelings of worthlessness do not come from any source, but chemicals in the brain and perhaps Lucifer adding to it. It's not your fault. No one did anything wrong. Yes, the depression may come from an accident, abuse, and other sources, and maybe you were perhaps even in the wrong place at the wrong time. But the feelings are not deserved in any sense of the word. This is not punishment for something done wrong 20 years ago or yesterday. The chemistry causes the reaction in the brain, and the brain causes the feelings. One thing that is very true is your testimony is still intact, although covered. The truths and spiritual memories are still ready for you to access, although they may not be readily accessible during the Depression. You are more than worthy in the Lord's eyes, and He actually weeps for your suffering. You are worthy, and the Lord desires that you know that. Now, for those who support those who suffer, a consistent reassurance that they are worthy in the Lord's eyes is important, even when they may not feel like it. Of course, the question comes, and always has, is why doesn't he just remove it? Why do you have to experience it? Why does my wife, my child, have to suffer like this? Why do I have to suffer like this? I don't have all the answers to those questions. I have addressed some answers in my past podcasts. This life is certainly about learning and experience, and depression in one of the unique and depression is one of those unique experiences that can bring a great understanding of the atonement if allowed. We learn to be happy, have joy, compassion, empathy by the things that we suffer, just as the Savior learned them by the things that he suffered. This doesn't lessen the suffering and pain and distress for both the one afflicted in the illness and the one who has to watch and support, but it does give some understanding. So what do you do when the doubt strikes? It is going to strike slowly, so you may not even notice it at first, but eventually you will see and feel it in great depth, depending on the development of your illness and your progress in treatment. I always reached out to the Lord in prayer and with a priesthood blessing. Yes, this will help for a short period of time, but blessings aren't one and done. You can ask for another one to help with the symptoms. I have asked for many, and I've always received the help I desired and needed. 
I don't think that we probably use this avenue sufficiently in our lives. Now, I know that this requires faith and effort and desire, um, but remember the Lord understands. Even if you are willing to believe, he can do the rest. When I have known individuals who suffer, I will offer to give them blessing when I, blessings when I see them struggling. Even when they're hesitant, I will often encourage it. Now, most of these individuals have been family members, brothers or sisters with whom I've had personal and ecclesiastical relationships. The person who is deeply depressed is going to have difficulty asking and believing that it might help and that they may have great difficulty asking. Faith, desire, and belief are not going to be present, but that is not because of sin or other issues in their lives. The Lord knows them and their testimonies. He understands the illness. He knows their faith without the illness and can reward them as such. They may accept somewhat hesitantly, but it has always turned out very well when I have asked and encouraged. Now, certainly there's always a point at which you should allow for agency and respect the individual's desire. But remember that depression alters reality. So a little encouragement is often needed. Now, the temporary relief will come. I have never known it not to. It may come by degrees. However, what I have found is that most often the blessing will lift the symptoms for a period of time to provide for relief. This is a good time to make sure you're doing the things you need to to help ease the symptoms in other ways. Make sure that you're doing what you should, spiritually and temporally, and also that you aren't running faster than you should. There will be a tendency to make up for lost time with chores, family, friends, exercise, and so forth. Making up time often causes exhaustion, and the symptoms will return far more quickly. You must be wise about how and what you do to make sure that you manage the episode effectively. Now, be wise to know what to do when depression and doubt seeps into the soul. I realize that plans don't always work, but it's certainly better to have one. Individuals who have had issues with suicide, cutting or marking, drugs, alcohol, sexual relationships, and so forth, will have a tendency to resort to those same poor remedies when the depression arrives, especially without a plan. If they have ever used it once, then it is always easier the second, third, and fourth times. If you know you've had problems or you know someone who has problems, then make sure that, that, someone, that, make sure that someone is there for you and that you limit access to those remedies in whatever way you need to. Now understand that you're going to experience the doubt and begin the process of associating this doubt with the mental illness. Surprisingly, it actually does help. Know what you can do and can't do when the deafening doubt occurs, and be good with it, and the Lord will help you decide that. Will you suffer at times? Yes, but if you do the things you need to in the moments and have a plan, the doubt will not be as deep or as difficult. Now may the Lord continue to bless you, and remember, the Lord requires the fight, and then he can do his part.